Hi and welcome to Reasonable and Necessary, brought to you by the Summer Foundation. I'm your host, Dr. George Salatoris, and in this episode of our special series on COVID-19, you'll find out how people with disabilities can access rapid antigen tests for free. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Now, I'm excited because you're going to tell us how people disabilities can access free rapid antigen testing. Yep. So there's a, there's a couple of ways now um, that people with disabilities can access free rapid antigen tests. So through um, our disability liaison officers, uh, people can give us a call and we can have a chat about um, what their needs are. Um, and we can see about getting them some rapid antigen testing. The other way, of course, is that they are eligible for free rapid antigen testing um, if they're on a concession card, um, and they can go down to a pharmacy and access some rapid antigen tests for free as well. Okay. I'm not a fan of the whole pharmacy solution. You know, these are really hard to get at your local pharmacy, and I also find it hard to leave the house at the moment. So can you tell me a bit um, about how I might use your service and and how that service might help me to uh, get tested for COVID? Yeah. So our disability liaison officers around the state are here to help people um, access all the support they need during COVID. So Firstly, you can ring one of our officers, one of our DLOs, and have a chat why you might need some testing for COVID. Have you been a close contact? Have you got some symptoms? And based on that, we can talk you through the steps about how you might access either a, a rapid antigen test or um, a PCR test um, in the home. So what's the difference between a rapid antigen test and a PCR test? So the the main difference, I suppose, is you get your results straight away with a rapid antigen test within about 30 minutes or 15, depending on the one that you take. Whereas with your PCR tests, it does take a little while for you to get your results back because they send it off to a lab to test. Um, if you've got symptoms or you've been around someone with COVID, your rapid antigen tests um give a really good result. Um, If it's positive, you can be pretty sure that you're positive. PCR, that's probably a good one to take if you don't have any symptoms and you're concerned about COVID. Okay, so one of the things that people really need to get their head around is when do I get a test? Like, you know, I, I know that for me, that I have a lot of people that come in and out of my house and um, recently, my uh, support worker, um, his partner, um, had COVID, and I'm thinking, do I need to test myself and, and make sure that I'm okay? The main reason I, you would have a test was if you were a close contact of someone who was positive for COVID. So whether you'd been in a household with someone or if you had symptoms yourself, so cold and flu type symptoms, those would be the two main reasons. The other reason is if you're a, what we call a social close contact. So you might have been at an event um, with a group of people or some people might have 
come into your home for a short period of time um, and you later found out that they were positive for COVID. So you'd watch yourself for symptoms and if you developed any symptoms at all, then that would be another reason to have a COVID test. Um, the other reason, some people like to have a COVID test before they go to a large event um, and there's some situations where people are asked to have a COVID test before they go somewhere. Okay, but if you're, if you're at close contact, if you know someone with COVID, um, you know, you can come to your service and, and get tested, is that right? So what we would do is have a bit of a chat with you about your particular circumstances. So if you were living in a household with someone who tested positive, then we would help you have a test both on day one, that day that you found out, and then again another test on day six, whether that be supplying you with some rapid antigen tests or whether it be if you were symptomatic, sending one of our in-reach testers around to help you have a test because we need to kind of sometimes acknowledge people need a little bit of a hand to have these tests whether it's a saliva one that you have to kind of hold in your mouth for two minutes or a, a nasal one where you have to put it up your nose and swirl it around four or five times. Um, so really we like to talk to people individually and work out what's the best way, firstly, what's the best test for them, what's the best way to get them the test and, and who can support them to do that. I love it. I love it you guys you know, help solve you know, the problem available to talk to people and work with them to find out the best option for them. And I love that you go to people's houses. And, you know, in a previous episode, I got vaccinated with uh, your in-home testing. And uh, it's a really fantastic service. It's really important to just work with people and find out what's going to actually meet their needs, what's going to be best for them, because it's not an easy time. Um, and these um, are difficult decisions too to make. Am I going to feel comfortable accessing a test that's going to go up my nose or am I going to access one that I put in my mouth or do I need some support to take it? So I think, you know, that's what we're here for, just to have those conversations. And, and who else is around you to support you to do this? So who's going to help if you test positive? Who's going to help you through that process of, you know, notifying and recording and, and looking after you as well. Or, mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really good. And, you know, one thing that I kind of like sort of wonder, like these tests are so quick and easy to do, to do but how reliable are they? Because I'm kind of like, you know, can I trust what this little line is going to tell me? Is it reliable? Yeah, look, it is reliable. If you get a positive test, you can pretty much know that you're positive, um, particularly if you've been exposed to someone with COVID. So you're a household close contact, for example, or a household like close contact. So you've been with someone in a household like setting for about four hours and you turn positive, you can be pretty sure that you're positive. Um, if you're symptomatic as well, you can be pretty sure that you're positive. Um, if you don't have any symptoms and you um, haven't been a household like close contact and you get a negative test result, there's a good chance you're actually negative. Small chance it could be wrong, but you can retest yourself the next day if you're concerned about that. But if you get a positive test result on one of these things, you can be pretty sure that you've, pro you've got COVID. 
particularly if you've got symptoms or you've been a close contact. Well, if you get a negative test um, and you've got symptoms and you're a close contact, are you saying that it, it, it can be a good idea to do that test again? And- I think so. I think I'd wait another 24 hours and I'd probably do that test again. Not with the same test, you need a new test. Yeah, you'd need a new test. (laughs) (laughs) They're not reusable yet, maybe Uh, one day. So the other option, of course, is that some people might choose to, um, if they're symptomatic, they've been a close contact and they get a negative rat test, they might choose to go and have a PCR test. So the PCR test can sometimes show up the positive result before a rat test might show up a positive result. Ah, that's very good to know that it takes a long time sometimes to get the result. And I think there's no harm in taking another rat the next day. So that's something you can also have a chat with with your disability liaison officers. So they'll have a chat, work through what might be best, how, what would make you feel better, I guess, because we're all anxious at the moment. There's no doubt about that, about do we have COVID or don't we, or do we go somewhere? And it's sometimes just good to bounce that off people. Um, And that's what the disability liaison team are there for. So they can help, as you said earlier, problem solve through some of that and just work out what's going to be the best outcome for you. It's also important for people to know that if you do have COVID that, um, you know, especially if you have a disability and you have underlying medical conditions, that it's important that you know and that you catch that you have COVID early because mm. then you can talk to your doctor and look at plan for getting treatment or looking at how to stay healthy or how to get over COVID. Yeah, absolutely. The Victorian government have got a, a ch- on their website checklist that people can look through that tells them if you get a positive test result, what what should you do? Um, and the first thing you should do is look after your health. So if you're unwell, calling your GP or um, calling your local public health unit down here at Barwon Health, where I work, we have a general COVID line that if that people can call. Um, and we also have a remote patient monitoring service so people can get some regular calls if they're positive. So it's really important to notify your test result so that you can actually start getting some of those supports that are available to you. Um, And you can do that on the website or you can do it via a phone number. Um, And if you're having difficulty doing that, you could talk to your disability liaison officer as well and they could actually work with you or the people around you to get that kind of registered and to link you up with um, whatever local health service kind of patient monitoring that is available. Sounds good. Okay. I feel like I know everything that I need to know um, about these tests, but there's one thing left, and that is how do I use it? They're actually a little different depending on which one you get, Um, but most of them will come with instructions. Um, And the Department of Health do have some information on their website about how to use a nasal uh, rapid antigen test and how to use a saliva rapid antigen test, which are the two main types of them. So the box that I've got today, I can scan a little QR code on it 
and it will take me to um, demonstration on how to use it. Yeah, yeah, I did that and uh, downloaded an app and the app uh, took me through step by step what I had to do. So I've got a, um, a saliva test one here today um, with me um, and it also has a little test procedure on the actual box on the outside as well, which is kind of handy. Um, and I think, as you said earlier, which is a good point, you can only use them once. So each of them have a little bit of a, a table on them to show you which result you're actually getting. Excellent. And uh, obviously, um, if people need help, um, that you know, they, they, they can ask for that assistance. And for what you said to me earlier, that can include um, having someone come over and help them to and to do the test if they need that level of, of help. Yeah, and look, that might not be a disability liaison officer that might come over. It might be someone from an in-reach testing service. So it's really about just problem solving with you, um, the person on the end of the phone, what would be the actual best way for you to have that test and which type would be the best test. But certainly it's our job to try and come up with a solution to get you the support you need to actually have that test and for it to be um, to be valid. Excellent. Right, so why don't we show people how to do an oral in the mouth test? Because I think these are very useful if you don't like sticking things up your nose, which I don't like doing. I'm not sure anyone likes sticking things up their nose, but a lot of us have had to do a lot of it lately, haven't we? Yeah, no, no. Uh, I'll get my support worker and I'll, we'll get right into it. Great. Excellent. Okay, I'm here with my assistant. So, let's do it. All right, so have you got your saliva one out of its packet? No, let's step one. Let's take it out of the packet. One of the things I like about these saliva ones is that if you might have some upper limb motor issues or some coordination, they're a little bit easier to use independently compared to trying to find your nose. These ones you simply pull the end out of the cap. We want your support person to wash their hands, definitely. So the one that I've got has um, a cap on it. So we're going to take the cap off the end. I think you've before got the same one that, Before we do that, I read on the instructions, it said that you need to cough four times. Is that okay. a thing? But if that's what the instructions say, yeah. then I think we should do it. It's <laughs> always follow the instructions. <laughs> I'll do my very pathetic four coughs. You do your four coughs. <coughs> I'll do mine. <coughs> <coughs> um, there's another little lid that's on the end of the rapid antigen test. So take the big lid off, just pull it. Yep. And then we've got another little lid that we need to take off. Little plastic cap that's on the bit that we're going to put in our mouth. It's a protector. It's protecting the end of the rapid antigen test. So now what we're going to do, it's called a saliva collector, and we're going to put that end into our mouth. It's going to be a boring two minutes. And keep the device pointing into your mouth at an angle, just pulling up a little bit. 
that's the way. I'm gonna hold it for about two minutes. that's two minutes so we're going to take it out now and remember before we took two bits off we put a took a little tiny plastic bit off and then a big plastic end we're going to put our applicator our saliva applicator into the big plastic end i'm going to push it down that's it so you hear a click and now we're going to put it aside and we're going to time 15 minutes so at the moment, you shouldn't see any lines on your COVID test. You're probably like, actually going to be able to watch some little, the saliva creep up a little bit. I don't know if you're ah, going Is that it? Is that like the red part going the up? The red part coming up. So that's yeah. really that means it's working at the moment. It's actually reading your saliva. It's fascinating. So what we're looking for... Go back to the camera. I have one line. I've got a line. That's too soon. So that line up there... Um, but so the line. Is, yeah, so the line. Yep. So we know that this is likely to be a valid test because we've got one line. Okay. That's All right, so that's good news. So now what we're going to do is wait to see if we get one line after 15 minutes which means we're negative but if we get a second line that would mean that we're positive oh is there anything else that you'd like to let people know about your service before yeah. we wrap up yeah look i mean i think what's really um useful to know about the disability liaison office is that we're here to support people around covid um, but we're also here to support people to access health services in general. So um, an example of that might be someone who um, had some outpatient appointments that they needed to go to at the hospital. When well, we well, in... go into hospital, because yep. I, I find hospitals terrifying, yep. can I call you and, and talk to you a bit about my concerns and also um, prepare for the state? Absolutely. So that's a key part of what the Disability Liaison Program would do to support people. So um, an example of that might be you're going in for a surgical procedure. So some of the things that we could do in that circumstance is talk to you about that procedure, get some more information from your doctor or your nurse so that you have what you need. We could do a pre-visit to the hospital and we could meet some of the people or go to the ward that you might be on. Um, we could introduce you to the social worker whilst we were there. Um, so it's really, um, or if you don't want to go to the hospital, we can show you some pictures of um, where you might be going and the types of people that you might be seeing. So it's really about saying, what is it that you, um, what is it that you're concerned about? Or um, what is it that we can do better whilst you're there? You're the best person or your family or, or your friends or your carers, you know what you need. And so for us to know that before you come in and to prepare for that, just in the same way as you'd prepare for hospital, can actually come with some really good outcomes, I think. I feel like... Now that the hospitals are so busy, there's a lot going on in terms of a lot of patients 
and uh, a lot of demand, you, you want to be as well prepared as you, as you possibly can be so that all of the things that you need uh, are put in place ahead of time. Hmm. It's very individualised, I think. People need different things when they go to hospital um, or whether it's planned or unplanned. What we try and do in our own hospital system is really raise the profile of our service. So not only is it you who might call us, but if the hospital requires some extra support, they might call us as well. Um, and that then builds into our you know, disability action plan. So what are the things that we're doing well what are the where are the areas that there's some gaps um and how can we um work as disability liaison officers with the hospital to kind of improve some of that as well because we're all i guess striving for the same thing when people have to come to hospital they have an experience that is it's it's safe but it's also um it it, it is something that they leave having had um, a positive experience. You know, you don't think of, well, leaving hospitals or having a hospital stay as being positive, but to be able to leave and go, you know what, when I was there, I felt well cared for, I felt listened to, I felt my needs were met. You know, I felt that they actually truly understood the things that I needed um, to make that a, as positive experience as possible. I think that's really important. Um, And that's what the disability liaison officers are here for, to try and help support the hospital and people who enter the hospital to have that kind of experience. When I was uh, first advocating for this service, I really wanted to do all the things that you talked about, and that is that we... We came up with a a solution that recognised that there's quite a lot of barriers that people experience in having experience and what can we do to remove those barriers. And one of them is planning ahead. One of them is educating hospital staff. And another is uh, making sure that people are, are safe and that they have all of their needs met when they're in hospital. Mm. And it sounds like you're doing all those things. I think our team all about trying to support people to be advocates for themselves. And sometimes not understanding the hospital system can make it really hard to advocate for yourself. So it's also about, I guess, demystifying the hospital system for people and explaining what it's like and how it might work and also the things that you might be able to do or your support people might be able to do to advocate in the moment. So I think not only is it really important to educate people in the hospital system about how to um, support people of all different kinds of abilities, I think it's also really important to support people with different types of abilities and their support workers to actually give to be okay about going into that system and actually asking for what they need because they understand the system a little bit better. And I think that um, it's really important that we continue to 
to send that message and that it is important to be accountable in all areas of um, of the health service. So, so I think it is absolutely about accountability. And I, and I think um, it's, it's kind of podcasts like this and it's a disability liaison officer program and it's um, health services themselves with their disability action plans that are really acknowledging that, um, you know, we need to kind of talk about these things. We need to get them out there. We need to ensure that everyone's thinking um, about these things um, as much as possible and taking action. Ah, absolutely. Uh, just one last question. Have you supported people with disabilities who have been in hospital because of COVID? And what's that been like for them? We we tend to support people more who are in the community who potentially have a, a member of the family who's positive. So um, who've got lots of questions, I suppose, about what to do and um, who they should talk to and um, getting too many phone calls to, you know, I'm getting 10 phone calls a day from this department and this department and this department wondering if I'm okay, which which I'm really grateful and thankful for because people obviously want to know I'm okay and they're checking me and monitoring me, but I'm actually trying to have a rest. So if I get 10 phone calls a day, that's really hard. And so what we might do in the background is work out how we can streamline that process for that person to say, well, what is the key critical calls that they do need to receive to make sure that their health's being monitored? And how can we do that? That's right. It's 15 minutes. How do you know? still only has one line. That so. is excellent. So one line, I've only got one line oh. as well. I'll hold, it up. I'll hold it up for you just so you can check it for me. One line has that. Can you see that? I can. Is that good? That is good. It's a so, one line at the C. Yep. So one line means that you are negative. Excellent. And I've also got one line as well. So that's also good news. So if you get one line and you're negative, then you can be pretty sure that you don't have COVID. So if you develop symptoms or you've already got a symptom and you start feeling worse, then you can take another rapid antigen test. Excellent. Thank you, Therese. It's been great chatting to you. Uh, not only did I get to learn a lot about the excellent work that you do, I also found out that I probably don't have COVID. So that's... <laughs> It's a win all around, really. Thank you for everything you're doing, George, to support our program, our disability liaison officers. It's fantastic. Um, you know, we have we all meet once a week as, as disability liaison officers around the state and, you know, we all are very passionate about what we do and, and it's because we work with amazing people like yourself who are also really, really supportive of our program. Um, and I personally can say that this is one of the absolute best jobs I've ever had in health. It really, um, it kind of makes me feel proud when I leave at the end of the day that I've actually been able to, you know, talk to people like yourself, understand much more what your experience is, and then go back into our health system, advocate and be kind of a, 
a support for how can we change, how can we improve to make sure that the health experience is, is positive for everyone. Great opportunity to talk about it today. So thank you for all you do for us. Absolutely, you do the hard work. I do all the annoying behind the scenes stuff, but obviously it's all important that we uh, that we advocate strongly for the health needs of disabled people. So thank you so much for your time today and have a lovely afternoon. Thanks, George. Bye. Bye. That's all we have time for on today's episode of Reasonable and Necessary. Brought to you by the Summer Foundation. To be notified of future episodes, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Thanks for watching, and until next time, stay well and reasonable.